All episodes of the Real Women in Business podcast reflect the opinions and views of the guest and Cass McCrory and do not reflect official policy or position of employers or clients. Thank you. You're listening to the Real Women in Business podcast. I'm your host, Cass McCrory, and in this podcast, we highlight women in all kinds of businesses. For yourself, someone else, full-time, part-time, overtime hustle, Together, we will learn from and with one another. And if we get it right, it'll lift us all. Let's get into it. Friends, today we're talking to Briar Doherty. She is the founder of Career Organic, a COO within an amazing nonprofit focused on STEM learning. In this conversation, oh my gosh, I feel like Briar and I are just future best friends at this point because we talk about life balance, purpose, intentional living, We talk about celebrating tiny wins and really how to bring focus to how we want to show up both professionally and personally with an intentionality that leads to lifelong fulfillment. This is no light conversation. You're going to have some notes to take and you're going to want to follow Briar online. Let's get into it. So nice to see you today. Welcome to the podcast. I'd love for you to share a little bit about who you are and what you do in the world. Sure, sure. So my name is Briar Doherty. If you see it written, it looks like Doherty. So everybody has a, a fun misstep there. But I work um, as a CEO and a COO. Um, so I'm a CEO of Career Organic, which is a professional development company. And we work with professionals all over the world uh, to help them navigate their career and career transitions. And then the COO position is of a nonprofit called the Obi Mihaly Foundation. And we help teach children and middle school and high school students on how to get into STEM careers, enjoy STEM education from a very unique perspective. And so we're in the process of, you know, building out a comic book over there and then with Career Organic, really just continuing to build our coaching platform so we can reach more and more people who are losing their jobs during this pandemic. Oh, this is really important work, Briar, because, you know, they haven't released the numbers yet. The most recent number that I read was, you know, 3 million women have left the workforce since February. And it's such a gaping, astounding number. It is. And I'm just, part of me is like, how do we get them back? Mm -hmm. How do we support the women so that they don't, more women don't leave? And how do we help people actually do work that they wouldn't leave for anything? Those are all amazing questions and and part of the work that we do with Career Organic. And as the CEO, CEO of Career Organic, in particular, I work with another organization called The Mom Project. And The Mom Project has been growing and I've been working with them since they were only in three markets across the United States. So they're super tiny. I started hiring from The Mom Project, seeing that they were bridging a gap for employers, not just candidates, but employers to find amazing talent that may not otherwise be on the market because they didn't want to work you know, 80 hour work weeks, they wanted some balance in their life. And so I started getting involved with that organization in particular from a hiring perspective, and then really starting to give them some tips and tricks on their platform to help candidates kind of sort through all the noise that that's out there with with organizations. And so I've seen a huge growth opportunity with organizations such as the mom project, being able to partner with, you know, 
small businesses, large enterprise companies, so that it doesn't necessarily have to be a full-time, you know, W-2 position. Because what I'm noticing is that a lot of people, when they speak about moms and speak about women, you know, having to leave the workforce, they don't talk about the other side where I'm a mom and I'm a mom of two and I love being a mom and I've had to start homeschooling my children. And guess what? I love it. I have grown really fond of the moments that I get with my children that I never had before. And so I don't want to feel the pressure of having to, you know, work 80 hour work weeks. So I also think we need to be very cognizant of the other side of that conversation saying, it's okay if moms don't want to go back full time, but we do need to start coming up with creative options for them because they're talented individuals that have years and years of experience to bring to the marketplace. Yeah, you brought up some really great points in there. And I just want to underline a couple of those pieces because I think what the pandemic really revealed for me was where I had done a really sloppy job with work boundaries. I had revealed all of those sloppy work boundaries where I was answering emails in the evening or I was compensating for things at different times of the day. And it's like, I don't want to have those sloppy work boundaries. Right. This past summer was the best summer of my life. I worked less than I have ever worked since I started babysitting at 12. Yeah. You know, it was an incredible opportunity where I had so much value aligning time. And as we approach this summer, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I don't want to slip back into return to work habits that leave me trying to cram a week's worth of work into four days or less. I need to actually do less in order to do less, which is like such an obvious thing, but well, boundaries are a huge point. So I actually, in after this recording, I'm going to send you my boundary setting worksheet. Um, I have an entire exercise for this because I do work with a lot of you know, corporate professionals, but I also work with entrepreneurs. And I see this a lot with entrepreneurs who are trying to grow a business where they get scared of stepping away. I'm going to miss that email. I'm going to miss that one client. I'm going to you know, peeve somebody off or a new client I just started with. And then I also work with a lot of agencies. So marketing agencies, I'm Atlanta based. I also worked in New York city for over 10 years. So I know agencies really well and they grind, grind, grind. And the expectation is that the employee is just going to step up and work till 11 o'clock at night for six nights in a row. And that the quality is still going to be there. And so when I work professionally one-on-one and as well as in group settings, I have boundary setting exercises that really go to the heart of why we feel like we've crossed a boundary because most people, they set boundaries without knowing why. And so like for me, family is a huge boundary for me. So I typically don't work on the weekends, but I have emergencies. So I have specific emergencies that I've set up with my team where they know they can reach out and that I will absolutely get on the phone with them. If it is not one of those emergencies, I'm not getting on the phone because I'm going to be my best self when I show up the next week, having rested and had that family time because it is one of my core values. So it's a really important piece of the process. So I love that you brought up boundaries because without that, our parents and our moms and our dads, they do go back to work. And they're put under the gun and they don't know how to balance, especially when, you know, you have kids running into your home office screaming and 
they try and I've seen videos of, you know, dads trying to push their kids out of the office. And it's like, breathe, take a moment, understand that that's also a priority and how communication plays a big part of setting those boundaries and feeling confident in yourself. Yeah. My husband has always done this great thing. He started working remotely about four years ago and he has a selfie situation where the kids come in, they interrupt his work and he's like, okay, come and get your selfie. They have a selfie moment and then the kids move on. And it's like, I love it. It's so nice. And honestly, it's just so heartwarming to get to see, you know, we have a little guy, Elliot, and he is just four years old and we have, you know, years of selfies with dad and it creates purpose to the interruption. It also creates an end point for the interruption. Like That's right. all of it is so brilliant and how, and he did it completely on accident on purpose. I'm sure. Right. Like but they're brilliant in their own right. <laughs> yeah. And it's so wonderful, but figuring out like, where do you want to show up? What is the container that you want to create for these interruptions and how do you navigate it in a way that's aligned to what's your biggest priority? Because, you know, it's, it's so interesting Briar. I'm going for walks. I've committed to going for walks every day. And right by my office is this really old cemetery, Mount Hope Cemetery in Rochester, New York. It's where Susan B. Anthony is buried. It's where Frederick Douglass is buried. And so I go for these walks. And of course I'm reverent and I'm respectful and all of that, right? It's not like, I'm not listening to DJ Keeley on the, on the walks. I'm being respectful. And I'm noticing on all of these epitaphs, not one person has a job title. Yep. Not one person. And it just, and I get to see 38 years old, 12 years old, 57 years old, 107 years old. And it's such a reminder, like, where are we showing up and how on purpose is it? That's right. Living with intention is, is part of what I actually push on all of my teams. Uh, when, when we're hiring, that's a big core value of ours is we want people who strive for life balance. And I call it life balance very intentionally. We don't use, so my entire team knows we do not use the term work-life balance because work-life balance actually gives more power to work than it really needs. So work is just a part of your life. So you wouldn't say school life balance. You wouldn't say, you know, family life balance. It's, it's all your life. And, and it's just a, a zone of, of brilliance that you're in during those moments. And so we strive and we teach, you know, life balance is at the crux of everything that we should be doing. And that living by intention and having purposeful, you know, and it doesn't have to be purposeful job oriented things. So like you could go to work and you can work at the post office and you know what? It fulfills a couple of buckets and you're able to get your paycheck. And that is perfect because you work nine to five that works for your family. And th that's an amazing piece. So, so we also have to be very cognizant that it's not about the, the huge dream job that we're all going after. It's how does it fit into the big picture that gives us the holistic fulfillment as a human being, not just as a professional. So mm -hmm. I, I do like to, to live with that full intention. It's so easy to get swept into the ladder of professional yes. ambition. 
because it exists and it's kind of, oh, it's the next thing and it's the next thing. And more and more, I'm talking to women that are in second act, as Liz Tinkham likes to call them. Liz Tinkham was a guest back in season one and now she has her own podcast. You know, you've got the second act, you've got the third act, you've got women that have had many iterations of their career. Now they're in what they consider maybe their final act. Yeah. And they're like, I need this to feel really good. Absolutely. I've made a lot of sacrifices. Yep. It, and it, it, it is that. So, so, you know, some advice that I'd, I'd love to, to give is, you know, as you're curating this career, right? Uh, you know, I, I had a really young career. So I, I went to school in Manhattan. I went to the Fashion Institute of Technology. So I'm an 18 year old. I'm in Manhattan. Uh, I lived in the Poconos all my life. So now I'm in this huge city with tons of opportunity and I took it. So I worked full-time, took, taking 17 to 21 credits a semester. I was a total crazy person, loved it though, and escalated my career very quickly. And so by the age of 25, I was a regional director over a large salon and spa company based out of Saks Fifth Avenue, owned that relationship. Uh, I did acquisitions with the company in other markets. I mean, I was all over the place, you know, and, and I loved that part of my career. But when I moved from New York City down to Atlanta, it was purposeful. I wanted a slower mode. I needed a reset. And I started in a market where I knew no one. And so that was a huge leap for me. And, and again, you know, going from school and, and directly into work and, and then having to recreate myself in a new market, all of those areas and, and pivots were like just instrumental in my growth as a person. And so I was constantly looking internal. It was always, how am I doing? What do I want to do next? It wasn't necessarily, well, what are my peers doing? Yeah. What's, what's my friend doing? How successful are those? It was always a measurement of myself and, and was I aligned to where I, I wanted to be? And eventually when I wanted to start a family, I was like, I'm not traveling. That was a, that was a no-go for me. And it, and it may not be for others. So, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. It's just for me personally, it was a no-go. I wanted to be there. And that was extremely important. So I laid the foundation, left corporate America, started my own business and scaled that and incorporated and was able to do all that because I was very focused on that alignment. How, how does it balance? How do I continue to strive for the things I really want to do and achieve? And my ultimate goal is always to help more people. I just, I love growing people. So how do I do that while still growing my tiny human beings at home, being a, a present wife, uh, you know, being active in all of their lives, as well as being fulfilled personally, you know, in what I'm doing on a daily basis. And so that alignment and kind of reflecting internally really set that foundation. And, and that was a huge focus. Yeah. How frequently do you check back and how frequently do you kind of assess? Like, how am I doing on this? Uh, I'd say weekly. <laughs> yeah, nice. So, I appreciate that. Yeah. I think so that's I, really important. Yeah. I've been, so this year I'm actually starting my own blog uh, and I am cataloging all those crazy years of, you know, Manhattan and school and learning how to set boundaries and what boundaries were and all of that, because I really do want to share that story to help others grow and maybe not make the same mistakes because there were a lot of mistakes. Uh, so that's been really interesting. 
I haven't reflected on that in a long time. So, so it's really unearthing things, but the evaluation is constant. On a weekly basis, I always end my week and I first think about my team. So like from a professional standpoint, it's, has my team grown? Have I addressed those concerns? Have I created avenues of communication so that each week when we start, we're always raring to go? And then from a family perspective, I mean, I have two little kids. So it's, you're evaluating on an hourly basis sometimes, uh, you know, am I fulfilling them emotionally, mentally, physically, am I stimulating them enough? You know, am I picking the right curriculum? There is a constant evaluation going on, but it, it's humbling. And, and it keeps me really moving forward because I don't let it overwhelm me. It's, yeah. it's something that I, I say, hey, okay, I failed in that regard, but I did have a tiny win here. And that's one other point to this is when you do that much evaluating on a regular basis, you have to celebrate your wins. So a tiny win could be waking up and my daughter, you know, coming in and giving me a kiss on the, the cheek says, I love you, mommy. It's like, oh, that's a win. I mean, that'll carry me through the whole day. And then something catastrophic could happen at work or the website goes down or something that just you don't want to deal with. Uh, and it carries me. And so balancing through that on a daily basis is all about that celebration and just understanding those tiny little incremental things that happen, like brewing the best cup of coffee you've had all week. Well, you know what? That's a win in my book. So so really celebrating those things so that you can accept the good and the bad. Yeah. I think that's such an important piece of it because if you are in a state of evaluation, it's easy. We, we have red pen ingrained in us. And so if we're not being thoughtful about bringing in the gratitude, bringing in the wins, then we won't see it at all. Correct. Well, and, and it's, it's sometimes it's even more. So I have clients, personal one-on-one clients that they'll see it. They can't actually accept it though. Like Ah. they're not allowing themselves to accept that as a win because it's not big enough. And so when I say tiny wins, like brewing the best cup of coffee all week, I'm serious. Yeah. (laughs) Taking those tiny wins, because you can allow yourself to be like, that's a mm -mm, good cup of coffee, like very easy. You don't have to pat yourself on the back, but you can say that out loud to yourself. And so you practice those tiny wins. It makes it much easier to embrace the larger items and not dismiss them because I guarantee you, you talk to a hundred women out there, 50 of them see the good. They just don't want to actually admit that they achieved it. Mm. I think it's interesting. So I recently had a win and it was pretty significant. And I found out about it right before I was heading home. I come home, I'm talking to my husband about it. My husband is like, oh my gosh, we should be so excited. Why aren't you excited? And I'm like, yes, but I am afraid of this win because what this actually means is that now I have to play at a new level all of the time. Mm-hmm. And that elicited a lot of fear. Right. So and it didn't allow you to embrace the win. It didn't. So guess what? Next time you get something else incremental, it's much harder for you to embrace it. Yeah. Instead of just allowing it, we, we all want to go logical, right? It's like, 
you know, we have the emotion and then it's, well, let's shun the emotion right. <laughs> because something else is coming instead yeah. of just living in that moment. When, when I say living with intention, that's what I mean is you live yeah. in that moment, you celebrate the win. And when something bad does happen, you're capable and you'll deal with it. Because especially yeah. as a parent, I mean, I think all moms, it's like, doesn't come with a playbook. Like we don't have the rules, uh, you know, and regulations for us. We take it literally moment by moment. And so responding to chaos, that's simple. Responding to a win though, really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, there's so many places for us to dig in and learn about our reactions, about how we're showing up and why. And carving out the space for this self-reflection is not easy amidst everything else that's going on. Absolutely. And, and I do, you know what, I'm going to say this, not to give 80 exercises uh, while talking to you, but I have an exercise that I use for clients going through this, where it's celebrating your wins, but you have to uncover your hidden rules. So we all have a rule book that we do play by. It's just subconscious. So when someone says, I, I was speaking to someone and, and I said, well, what, what do you have to experience to feel love? And she was like, well, from a boy, a guy, I need them to at least text me daily. I'd love a phone call or when I FaceTime them that they actually pick up. Uh, and she went on and on and on. And so this is uncovering these hidden rules that are in our brain. But think about this from the, the guy's perspective in this particular situation. Do they know that these are the rules they're playing by? For sure, no. No, absolutely not. So, so they fail every time. <laughs> Yeah. In, in a glorious, like, you know, explosion is what happens. And so instead it's okay, well, we've uncovered our hidden rules, right? And we know this rule book. Now we get to keep some of them, but some of them maybe aren't setting us up for success. Like yours right now, your rule is, well, if I have, you know, some, an implication that comes from celebrating this win, I'm not allowed to celebrate it. And so removing that rule from you just allows you to celebrate it and yeah. then deal with the implication later. Yeah. So, so it's removing those roadblocks along the way and being very, you know, respectful of having them right. and, and understanding what's going to, what's going to help me thrive and what's going to keep me back because, you know, as an entrepreneur or as just a, a woman in, in our world right now, we have a lot of responsibilities. And so why continue to load our plate with things that are not helping us thrive? Yeah, it's always <laughs> less. We always need to do less. That's what we need. So, so we're uncovering that is, is a, a, it's fun, believe it or not, because it's something that you could do with a friend, like a, the exercise back and forth. And after you uncover them, it's like, oh my goodness, I have like 15 rules around this. And now it's like those seven, no, those are, those are worth keeping, but the others, eh, I think I could let go of those. Yeah. That's so interesting. One of my intentions for this summer is to truly be present in each day. Like I, the summer is full in a way that I hadn't completely anticipated because I was so used to nothing. Yeah. And so now that there's things on the calendar, I noticed that I was starting to get a little anxiety. 
And it's like, wait a minute, you're getting anxiety about something that isn't happening until the middle of July. Right. Hold the phone. Like you see that rule, the rule is coming back up. <laughs> yeah. The rule is coming up and it's like, oh, wow, there's some awareness here that I need to create in that. Right. If this is truly giving me anxiety, I have to deal with it. Yep. Right. Like there's nothing hopeful about it existing. And then it's all right. How do I not allow that future that is completely unknown to impact the today? The now. That's right. That's right. Well, and and one thing, can I, can I say this? So, you know, you talk about the anxiety. So anxiety and fear, they do have their purposes. And, and I want to, I want to say this because a lot of people listening may run from fear and anxiety because it's don't touch it. However, they make your body and mind alert, right? So, so when we're fearful and we're walking down a dark alley, well, you know what? It is serving us in the moment to stay very alert and acute to what is happening around us. And so we can use that to create growth and help us persevere, right? So the anxiety and the fear for you, I think can also be served as a growth opportunity because you're, you're utilizing it instead of suppressing it. So it's okay. Well, I am anxious. What can I do to eliminate the anxiety? What is it about that event in July? Is it that I don't feel prepared? Is it the person I'm going to be speaking with? Is it the presentation is an hour and I've only ever done a half hour? Well, now we get to uncover what the anxiety is leading us to uncover. And then we drop the anxiety and we take action. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, anxiety is a teacher, just like resentment is a teacher. You know, I'm always talking to people. If you're feeling resentment, that is a sign that you need to elicit some boundaries. Yes. Oh, well said. You know, like you've got to do this work and anxiety is a teacher that you have something to learn here. Very much, very yeah. much. So, so embracing that as the growth opportunity helps feel the emotion and not shame yourself for having the emotion and mm-hmm. utilizing it. And every time you utilize a negative emotion for growth, whew, you just, yeah. you actually limit the amount of time that's in your body. So if we're constantly growing inside our body too, without the stress and and I'm a cancer survivor. So I actually had thyroid cancer in 2014 and I attribute that to the amount of stress I was under Mm. and I could feel it. I mean, literally in my body, I could feel it. And I am very, very specific when I speak to people about eliminating the negativity and utilizing that to rid it of your body, like get it out use it, like spend it, you know, it's like, it's like giving your kids sugar and then they have to run around your yard for two hours so that they can actually go to sleep that night or else it's not going to happen. So utilizing that and and wasting that energy away on good just really continues to build that foundation for yourself. Yeah. Oh, I love that idea. Like using your anxiety as the fuel. Yes. Yeah. I love that. You know, this this kind of anxiety teacher learning thing that you're demonstrating here and you're talking about, it's kind of like leveling up. Yes. It's like, you know, in Tetris, you know, you level, I love Tetris. Like, (laughs) please, my people love Tetris. If you love Tetris, you love post-it notes and you love pens. We are friends. Like it's just the truth of my life. (laughs) 
but it's like in Tetris, like you learn how to navigate this and then things can come at you faster yes. and you're more equipped to deal with them. And it's just like that in grown up life. That's correct. That's a great analogy. A great analogy. It's, and that's exactly it. So, so you're constantly building the foundation. So when it's super hard and it's interesting because my husband and I, we set ourselves up. Oh my goodness gracious. We just can't help ourselves. Like we have a a week that's completely calm. And then we go out and find, you know, what do we need to be working on and what do we, you know, and then it's crazy again for two months. And then we, you know, we have this lovely cycle, but every time the turnover of what we're working on or renovating or anything like that, it's quicker. We make better decisions. We're more grounded in our decision-making and, and we work better as a team because we continue to go through the hurdles. And so, yes, there's anxiety, there's fear, there's stress. It's, you know, do you make this financial decision? It has a big impact at the end, you know? So, so we've learned this is the cadence that we work well under and no, I don't want to take any more. And that's also setting the boundaries so that you're not overcompensating for the amount of anxiety you have, because that's going to throw you out of balance, but really keeping that steady, you know, the growth trajectory is all about challenge. So we don't grow without challenge, right? So, so people that say, Hey, I'm just going to take the easy road and, you know, someone else is going to teach me everything. It's like, yes, but you do have to experience yourself because your way may be tweaked from someone else teaching you it. And that's actually part of what I love in my work is I get to coach people one-on-one. I get to coach them in group settings and everyone has a different takeaway. So they'll ping me afterwards. And I loved that webinar. This is what I got out of it. And I'm like, Ooh, that's a unique perspective on that. Or, Oh, you're utilizing that for this situation, which I may not have talked about. I'm like, that's the beauty is as long as we're checking the anxiety, the fear, the negative emotions and saying, Hey, I'm going to utilize what the tools that I'm learning in life to apply that to that growth opportunity. People move. Yeah. I think there's so much that we do just have to learn the hard way and we might learn bits and pieces of it from other people's experience. But the reality is the true learning happens from our own walk. And your own challenges. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Because that unique spin is, it's, you know, as a cancer survivor, I can talk to other cancer survivors that had a completely different experience than I did. Yeah. And, and no one experience is better or worse, or it's, it's how you perceive your experiences. So, so my cancer, and it's interesting because I I talk about this uh, with my clients, um, because I, I actually lost my vocal cord. And so I had to go through an entire number one surgery and then vocal therapy to even get my voice back. Cause it actually paralyzed one of my vocal cords during the surgery. And I tell them this, cause if I'm in a 90 minute call or I'm doing a presentation, sometimes my voice can waver. And so I like to say, I'm not sick. I'm not tired. I'm fully prepared. <laughs> it just, it might crack from time to time. This is why. And immediately, if they have another issue going on with them, they might say, oh, I can't believe I was complaining about X. And it's like, oh, no, no. Your perception of, you know, maybe losing your dog could absolutely be the same sadness I felt when I heard the words, I have cancer. 
It could absolutely be the same. We'll never know. And I'll never be the judger of that. So, so owning that you have your own things that you're going through and working through and not judging yourself against anybody else externally, huge for your growth as well. So like owning the emotion, owning where you are in it, but understanding it's a unique perspective. That is how you are able to build that foundation without it crumbling at the sight of someone saying, oh, well, you're not doing a good job or you should be working harder or we all love our families, but you know, sometimes those comments, you know, that are made to help us might hurt us. Our coworkers who might be telling us you're better than this job, you know, why do you stick around for two years? And, and it deflates us. If we've built the foundation out of our own perspective and own situational like experiences, there's nothing to ever fall. Yeah. You've built it. Yeah. It's going to stand. Right. Yeah. There's so much goodness in this briar. I, I hate to wrap it up. We're going to have to do another episode. That's <laughs> truth. Number one. Um, is there anything that you wanted to get to today that we didn't get to? No, I, you know, I guess the only thing that I would say is, is for anybody that's listening to, to these podcasts and really trying to learn number one, kudos to you. Uh, you know, anytime that you listen to something, anytime you're reading, anytime you're just getting new perspectives or insights, oh, you're on your mission. You're, you're really taking that next step in the journey every single moment. So, so that's a huge accomplishment in and of itself. So if you haven't celebrated a win yet today, let's celebrate right now. Yeah, that, that's it. Oh, I love that. Where can people find you online? Uh, so careerorganic.com is the company that I run. And then briardoherty.com uh, is also my personal website. The best platform to reach me is on LinkedIn. I am absolutely the only Briar Doherty on LinkedIn, <laughs> which is pretty cool. So definitely ping me there. Uh, love discussions uh, on career growth and, and entrepreneurship. Love it. I've got a lightning round of questions. We kick off with your go-to jam when you need to up your energy. Anything Pitbull related. <laughs> <laughs> what time do you wake up? 6.45 in the morning. What does breakfast look like? It is coffee with a hint of heavy cream. Favorite ritual? Couch time with the kids when we sleep on the couch after watching a movie. Uh, morning person or night owl? Night owl. A book you've given or recommended the most? Relationship Breakthrough by Chloe Madonis. What are you doing right now imperfectly, but with great joy? Homeschooling my kids. <laughs> I love it. All right, this has been a joy. Thank you so much for sharing time with me today. Absolutely, my pleasure.